1: Welcome back, everybody, to New Books of Military History. This is your host, Bob Winterby. I'm very excited about today's guest. Uh, we're joined by one of the principal editors of the West Point History of the Civil War, Colonel Ty Seduli. In addition to his editorial work, Colonel Seduli is the current head of the History Department at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, so he brings quite a cachet to the book and to our interview today. The book itself is a monumental work. Uh, It's modeled in large part on the current textbook used by cadets at the Academy. Lavishly illustrated, very well conceptualized graphs and maps, as you might expect from a product like this. Uh, The book is also not only well-conceived intellectually, it also breaks new ground in being linked to a fully digitized companion software product. Now, we'll go into all this in more detail later in today's interview. But before we go that far, I would again like to emphasize how fortunate we are to have Colonel Ceduley with us today. Thank you for joining us. Oh,
0: my pleasure, Bob. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Colonel, Can you describe for our listeners the relevance of military history at West Point? I mean, it seems like a self-evident question, I would think. But I understand historically there's been debate over the emphasis of history at the Academy.
0: That's very true, and um, we we think, of course, that uh, that history is vitally important for cadets, and we think first history, partly because of our inductive reasoning, and we have a, a core curriculum here that. Emphasizes problem solving, and historians have a great way of dealing with solving problems, which is ask a question, gather evidence, and then look for the answers after you gather the evidence, using inductive uh, logic you know, primarily, but 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 in other ways as well. That format of problem solving is incredibly important for future army officers. So we have four courses that we teach uh, all cadets uh, an American history course, a regional history course, and two military history courses that really go from Plato to NATO and Afghanistan <laughs> and military history is the is the core of that of that experience a two semester course and it is an old course we have been writing military history for cadets since eighteen eighteen uh, and about every thirty years since then military history is that capstone of the West Point education, because if you want to understand about our profession, the way to do that is is through the past. Uh, War is the most complex, dangerous, and chaotic uh, undertaking uh, that humans do, and only by looking at that in the past can they hope to gain the wisdom uh, for future decision-making.
1: Why commission at this time a new series on military history? well it's a great
0: question this is we've again every 30 years since 1818 we have been doing this so Dennis uh, uh, in 1818 we um, took some of uh, Jomini's works uh, translated it and then put a little addendum on it Uh, and then in 1840s Dennis Hart Mahan wrote his book and then he redid it in 1870s in the 1890s Gustav Feiberger wrote uh, on military strategy and then the Gettysburg campaign Um, then there was the uh, overarching work in the 1950s by Esposito uh, that did Napoleonic and the American experience, and at World War One and World War Two, and then the 1970s, the Greece text, which uh, did, which is a huge monumental work, and then uh, Bob Doty uh, did a smaller work in the 1990s. So it was time for us to do it again, but this time we wanted to do it right, and that meant not just. Getting it for now, but doing it for the future. And that Mm -hmm. meant creating an endowed text. So there's a financial aspect of this, which was to generate money, which would then go into an endowment that would fund future editions of the book as well. Mm -hmm. So that was part of that. That's one big part of the reason. The, The timing. Resources and the third is we were so operationally focused in our old texts we wanted to spread that out among politics, strategy, operation, and tactics, and bring in some war in society as well to keep up with the current tracks of, of the of the discipline. So I think those are the three biggest reasons why we wanted to do that now.
1: You know, it goes without saying that you know even regard the books that are edited collections, you know, the final product really reflects the values and viewpoints of their creators, and you know, this is really going to be true. I would think, with any history of the civ- American Civil War, you know, in large part because it's still fraught with you know all these interpretive controversies and regional disagreements about causality, about outcome, about method. That's I mean, leading up to two, two questions. You know, first, how did your own views, not only on the Civil War, but on the role of the military in American civil society, influence this work? We'll we'll, we'll go one question at a time.
0: Right. uh, Well, it's great. I think. Well, there's a couple ways that we did this. The first is um, we brought our senior military historians in the Department of History uh, together for this, and we have a lot of military historians. You know, we have a huge faculty here of almost, uh, including staff, almost 60 people in our Department of History. It's one of the largest departments of history around, Mm -hmm. and most of them are military historians because we teach. uh, in no section larger than sixteen people, mm-hmm. so because of that, and we teach a uh, thousand cadets military history a semester, that mean that gives us a lot of military stories so we got our senior military stories together and we started a process to figure out what did we want for this book what were our themes what were our um, what were our constructs that we wanted how much did we want what was our chapter list who did we want for our authors um, and so we, we, we created a very broad based uh, committee to Figure out what we wanted and how we wanted to teach and then hired authors that would then help us create this vision, uh, of how we wanted to make the book. And that, that, so those, those, all the things. So this was, this was a, a, a big part of how we did, wanted to do it. Then the two senior editors, that's me and, uh, Cliff Rogers, uh, who's a medieval historian, uh, who's taught this course for 20 years, then we, we kind of made sure that that was, that was set. And once we had done that, then we had our authors' conference. We had 49 authors for the entire project and five authors for the Civil War to talk through how we were going to integrate these uh, together. And we wanted to make sure that this was a work of history, first and foremost, uh, informed through uh, the prism of military history. So I think we were able to do that. And I think our first chapter um, by Mark Neely does a great job of, of doing that, of, it, of setting the context for the American Civil War Absolutely. in a way that that we would never have been able to do with someone on our faculty because he, uh, he, he brings so much causation and politics into that, which is just what we need. And then to add the digital products to that, which make it immersive, created a way of lo- seeing the Civil War first and foremost as an American war uh, and, and not just uh, to talk about the operational aspects of it.
1: Well, that raises a second question then, Colonel, which is you know, how does one create a synthetic textbook like this one? for a national audience of many different interests and different points of view that's going to serve a singular purpose without running afoul of those undercurrents?
0: Well, I, I think it's a great point, uh, great point, and one that we we thought about really carefully. And the first and foremost thing that we said was this is a product for cadets. Our purpose is clear. You know, our mission at West Point is to educate and inspire cadets uh, to serve their nation uh, in the Army and, and for the rest of their life. And so we knew that the first thing we were going to – but that doesn't mean that we create jingoistic, patriotic history. We create hard-hitting history that looks at this, at this problems that we have in American history in, in, the, in, the, in the most honest way that we can. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we wanted for cadets. And then we realize after starting to create this that by making something for cadets, and that's a 22-year-old American who does not know that much about military history, if anything, means that it's a great uh, way of, of educating the rest of the American people. And, and you know, we think that, that the American people are vastly underserved in their knowledge of war and their knowledge of military history. They don't know that much about it. And Let me yet, ask you, you
1: know, if I can interrupt there, uh... Let me ask you: You think that's due to an underrepresentation of military history, or perhaps an oversaturation of bad military history on the
0: market? <laughs> I think that's a great point. That, that's a great. There is a lot of bad military history. I, I just think of our our American citizens that. Um, that go we go to war a lot as the american people go to war a lot i mean certainly more than almost anybody else uh and as somebody who's been in the military for the last 30 years you know we've been we've been deployed not me personally but deployed pretty much constantly that that entire time and yet it seems like we go to war each time without understanding the basics of 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 what it means to be at war Mm -hmm. uh and yet so we're hoping that, at least for our generation of, of West Point cadets, that we can do a better job of educating them about war, and if we can get that out to the American people in a way that the best military historians in our field uh, can can help the American people through this, um, uh, through this project, which is not just the Civil War, but uh, obviously almost but a huge uh, slice of American and European war that we'll be able to help the American people. I mean, I know that 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 may that may sound trite or may sound like we we're a pompous, even so not at all. But, not at all. But but we do. We we feel like we are public historians, and we feel like the best of military history is public history, and that's what we are aimed to do: is to get out of the public sphere in many different ways. So we're doing that with our hardcover text through Simon and Schuster, through our digital text, and through uh, digital offerings online to try to reach the most number of people possible.
1: Let's turn back again to the question of the team of historians you brought together. You mentioned Mark Neely. He did an excellent job, I agree, on the first chapter uh, for the Civil War text, really laying the context for the war as part of the American experience rather than something happening in isolation. The other persons in the text as well, I mean, you've got a great roster of talent here, I mean, You, you
0: really know,
1: do. You do. I mean, Joseph Glathar, Stephen Woodworth. Earl Hess, James Hogue. i mean, that's like almost a virtual who's who of Civil War historians. How did you decide? I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. You're coming to the right question. How did we pick them? Right. Well,
1: not just how did you decide to pick them. How did you decide to give them their specific briefs of what to
0: work on? Right. Right. Well, I, and again, I will tell you that this was uh, a, a process that we went through in the Department of History, and you know, most people would say, "Gosh, you, you, you wait a you, you you went through and actually had a had that your all your senior military historians, which is mm-hmm. which is a bunch of people here, you know, it's probably yeah. eight or ten people, and you go through and you." figure out who you want to do this, and who you want to do this. And that's what we did. We got our senior editors together, and then we picked the entire department and said, listen, who are we going to have do this? And, you know, we we, we picked the people we thought would do the very best. So, um, you know, Mark Neely, Pulitzer Prize winner, who knew the who, who could set the stage politically, Joe Glattar, who we know very well has taught this course as a visiting professor, um, who knows about the war in the East, has written about it, and, and by the way, has written about it in ways that we thought particularly interesting, and That he writes so well, and that was another thing that we wanted to make sure of is that we 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 had people that were going to write very well, so that cadets would be engrossed in the text. I can't emphasize how important we thought that was going to be because cadets have to read so much here; they have Mm -hmm. to do so much. We wanted a text that would that would grab them and make them interested in this, in particularly for the Civil War, in this 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 monumental war that really sets who we are as a people.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, during the introduction to the interview, I noted the visual aspect of, of this book, this project. You know, both in terms of the original artwork and photography that's used. Great choices, by the way. I, I teach the American Civil War in an American survey course and in a subject matter-specific course, and I love these illustrations. They're, they're really, you know, well-chosen. And the maps and graphs, again, are, are all outstanding especially in a digital product, we'll come to that momentarily. I want to ask you, what was your philosophy with regard to the use of visual aids to reinforce the text in books like this? Because not many textbooks are as visual-heavy.
0: No, no, we're not. And, and you know, we, we kind of changed as we went along, and we used it in the classroom. Uh, we, we've been using it in the classroom now for getting... Close to two years, uh, and we at first we thought, well, listen, we're not going to put any image in there until unless it just it just makes it such a great point, and then we said, well, gosh, look at each one that we put in here. It actually does help the reader, and so what we create, what we wanted to create, was an immersive experience in 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 the, the totality of of, of the, the American Civil War, so that you could see these things. And I, I think that there's a there's a couple of ones that we picked in here that um, that really told the story, that created um, its own in a way, its own story, its own narrative just from an image. One of the ones is a picture that Thomas Nash drew on King Cotton, and yes. there are. That that there there there's a picture, and there you have France and Great Britain prostrate um, at, to to King Cotton on his throne, and there's slaves all around it, saying, you know, that that and what it's sending the message that um, with this. Uh, that, that the South is going to rule because King Cotton will rule and, and, and the rest of Europe will have to bow before it. And, and I've used that picture in class in a, in a great way to have cadets then look at this and try to understand it. So we chose images that we thought were evocative, that told a story, um, and that helped the reader understand. And then we also fig- figured out that having pictures on there helped help the student, or in our case cadets, Read longer. So some mm. people think that, and we had thought originally that pictures would take away from the text. Well, we found exactly the opposite from, from actually using it, which is that more pictures allowed cadets to read the text longer and have more and more immersive experience in the book.
1: Right, right. And in some ways a more personal experience as they then try to take ownership of the image and understanding it.
0: Okay. That's exactly right. And those images are so useful in the classroom uh, to, to, to discuss. And so it allows our instructors not to use PowerPoint because they can use what's in the book already. It's a great way for them to teach the material as well.
1: Right. Well, raising PowerPoint is a, is a great way to lead into discussion of the digital platform, which is optimized for use. The version I have. It's optimized for use on the iPad, and for anyone who's interested, it is commercially available, independent of the Simon & Schuster book, through the iStore. Um, The program is very slick, surprisingly easy interface. It integrates the visuals with text. Um, It's it's especially true with the battle maps, which display every maneuver and development and tactical decision individually, but then it's also reinforced by graphs, working graphs, I'm describing for our readers, our listeners, that show how artillery batteries moved into formation and the the effects of different weapon systems. This is so much more than what textbooks offer. And I'm not generally a big fan of electronic texts. I will say this is probably the the most interesting and most informative and easy to use I've come across um, in the 10 years I've been teaching. I want to ask you why not just go all in with a digital textbook? Why go for the the, the Simon and Schuster text when you have such a, a solid digital program or, or the digital platform to work with?
0: Well, it's a, it's a great question, and, and and I mean I think first of all, let me say that, that when we that all of our cadets are using it digitally, every cadet has an iPad, um, and we are pushing the mobile technology uh, envelope. Here at West Point. So, in fact, it is military historians who are who are leading the tech revolution at West Point. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, right? But we are the ones that forced the Academy to make sure our cadets had iPads. We forced the Academy to go wireless. We forced the Academy to create a mobile device management so that iPads could go on a government network, which had never happened before. Mm-hmm. So, we really, uh, the, the military historians at West Point are not just changing West Point, but actually forcing the Army to integrate mobile technology into learning and into the other aspects of the Army. So it, it, it is pushing the envelope for that. And But to come back to your question, which is, why do a, a book? And i got to tell you, it's a darn good question. It's, it's been a lot of work. We did it. Uh, our, our initial reason for doing it was we, we wanted to get more publicity for the digital uh, book, and that was what we we thought. And, and right now, our book is uh, is available on iPad, um, and we just recently through our WestPointHistoryOfWarfare.com, dot com made it available on PC and uh, and, and Android through a, a web based version. But it, it, when we first did this, it was only available on iPad, and that doesn't reach that large a market. I mean, it does; it's getting bigger every day, but but it's not. Some of our demographics don't don't have those. So this was a way for us to to get it into everybody's hands, and we we hoped would link it back to the digital product. Um, and so we have four books you know that are coming out that are hardcover. Um, which is the Civil War, two volumes of World War II, and American Revolution. The rest of it, though, is going to come out in all digital products um, because that is where we put most of our effort and where the cadets are doing their learning is digitally.
1: I understand. Well, let's address the book itself now. We've been talking about the, um, the organization and, the, and the, the project development, but it isn't fair to not address the book itself. And to present a sense for our listeners of what distinguishes this text from others in the field. You know, again, you know, the Civil War is a very popular subject. It's a lot of good history on it. Great Um, history. Yeah, great history. The book begins through your introduction by placing West Point directly at the epicenter of the growing regional distrust that follows the Mexican War and runs through the first secessionist wave following the 1860 election. It's a very interesting contextualization, I think, of a national controversy filtered through the lens of one of the nation's few, small, but yet vital institutions. I want to ask you if you can elaborate more on this for our listeners, both the the history and as well as your, your conceptualization of it.
0: Right well I, I am I've really concentrated my his, my own research now a uh, personal research um we're doing the the huge the huge West Point history of warfare project but I do the history of West Point and uh and so I, I had uh, I've done some research on this and, and published an article or two on this. And and so I was really interested to show our readers how West Point is a is in a way a microcosm, and so few institutions, as you said, are national institutions where you have north and south in one spot. And you could see here through West Point exactly how that changes. So in in when uh, um. I guess it's uh, Jeb Stewart is here he says that you know there is there's a nationalizing influence at West Point this is a national school and that there's no north or south mm-hmm. and yet by 1860 uh, or 1858 the, the barracks are split into two. There's two companies that are northern, two companies that are southern. And then when the crisis actually hits, I mean the, the level of violence at West Point uh, is is like nothing we've never ever had before. Mm-hmm. Lincoln is hanged in effigy behind the barracks. There's a duel between Emory Upton and another cadet, and, and a southern cadet, um, which leads to violence because they, they're using bayonets. And Emery Upton, until to to, he died, had a scar on his face uh, from that duel that where someone accused him, it was Wade uh, Wade Hampton Gibbs mm-hmm. who accused him of of having um, sex with with a African American woman at Oberlin, where he went before. So the level of violence and of uh, of, of disintegration at West Point um, mirrored that in the nation, and is a way that we, with such good resources, that we can show how that changes, and then how upset the nation was with West Point during that time. I mean, it mm-hmm. came very close to shutting West Point in 1861 and 1863. The senators came very close to doing that. So I, I love that story of, of showing West Point in the West Point history of the Civil War.
1: Yes, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And again, like, like we both agree, there are so few national institutions at this point. This is really a period where particularly in 1860, the nation is still locked in the egalitarian mindset that accompanies Andrew Jackson and, and his, his supporters after 1820 and really sets a tone for um, you know, the, the professions and professionalism itself being marginalized. And we see at right. this point this institution dedicated to keeping that alive and the, the dangers it faces.
0: Uh, that's so true and 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 then it, in fact it's the last war that West Point doesn't get bigger I mean it stays small during the war. no northern cadets actually take the place of the southern cadets that leave um, it, it, it it really becomes a very difficult to keep the place even open during the Civil War uh, because it is distrusted what how do you trust an institution if the people leave to fight against it. And so this idea that those who fought against the the United States of America were seen as traitors, uh, as you well know, seen Mm -hmm. as such traitors here at West Point and throughout the North, uh, that you would take it out on West Point. And, you know, a senator is saying that, West Point, if, if the union is to die, will be of West Point pro-slaveryism, and that no school has uh, has as much traitors as West Point since Judas Iscariot. This is said on the Senate floor. So the, the, the trauma at West Point, I think, is a way to mirror, it shows the way that that is being mirrored in the nation at one of the few institutions that is truly national.
1: Mm. I want to raise Russell widely Uh, And in his book, The American Way of War, in large part because I am a likely student. I make no, no, um, I don't attempt to hide that. He introduces two different contexts for considering our two centerpiece leaders from both sides. Both of them West Point cadets and graduates, Ulysses Grant and Robert E. Lee. And he presents an interesting juxtaposition of their relative merits and flaws as combat leaders. I want to ask... Just how influential this view, or others like it, that are held by historians about the conflict, how influential they were on the project as you laid out your mandate? Well, I I
0: think we... again if, if we could think about how we did this, the questions that we asked. We you know, we, we went through this by ask like good historians do, of making sure that we asked questions that we wanted our authors to answer. And one of those was on, you know, the role of the of the individual, the role of the leader in war. I mean another one was how wars are won and lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we wanted to do was present our authors with a series of questions and then have them answer that, and then through to make sure through the editorial process that we kept a, a close to singular voice while making sure that each chapter prevented, pre- presented an argument, because that's how the most effective classes that we teach are, is when they're argument-based. So like I think that that idea of the, the role of the leader, how important is that role of the leader, or are there larger forces at play that obviate? any need for the leader's role. And I think that question of, of, of the human in history is one that it is great to argue with for cadets. and so I think Grant is one of the great, you know, great hero in this book um, that uh, that Earl Hess talks about in in great detail, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and which which and and, and Stephen Woodworth does as well, showing how his 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 diligence is, uh, and his tenacity and his planning work. And I think the other thing that we've done throughout here is to put small biographical uh, insights. Or yes. Throughout the textbook that allow the reader to go deeper into each one of these these leaders to show that we that's what we did for Cadets. We wanted them to know these are individuals and and to think through the role of the individual in war. So I think that these these play these underlying historiographical trends uh, play a large role in determining this. But we wanted to come at it from asking a question and then using then having our our. Our authors use the evidence, and one of the great things about this book, particularly the digital one, is the footnotes. They are incredibly detailed with hyperlinks to the, the OR, to the official record, so that the it's almost a taxonomy of learning. The uh, cadet or the, the, the reader who is not as interested reads the text, but then if you go back into those footnotes, you have an entirely another, another story, which helps our instructors here at West Point and those who are interested in, in going further.
1: You know, it's very clear a lot of thought went into the book, you know, and I mean, as we're, as we're talking about it, and as I recall reading it, and looking at the digital product, you know, it, this is more than a simple survey text, you know, and it, it does occupy a place between being just a narrative history and a very intellectual, analytical study of the place of the Civil War, not the event itself, but the place of the event in our temporal sense of identity. You know of what our national self is. I mean, something almost meta historical.
0: I, I agree. That's absolutely true. That's really what we were trying for: is to to mm-hmm. tell. We wanted to. I mean, this is the history of the Civil War. We start before the Civil War and we end, you know, almost with Reconstruction. We never wanted to end a war mm-hmm. in eighteen sixty five. We wanted to go beyond that and talk through the issues that come after the war and where this is in American society. And that that by by putting that West Point part at the beginning of it. That allows us uh, to set the stage here, at West Point, for our cadets as well as for the general reader, and then think through how we change. But but part of you know, as Jason Pearson would say, part of the outcome is determined on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So while we're talking about the role of of the Civil War. In the larger context, I'm thinking, you know, that we have the sanitary fairs and a great image yeah. on and discussion about the sanitary pairs to talk about through this in war and society. We do want to make sure that our cadets and therefore others know that what happens on the battlefield yes. does help determine that outcome and that that's a it's worth discussing how those things work. So, as you said, those digital offerings that show how artillery works, how infantry works, how medicine on the battlefield works, how command and control and signal work, these are all things that help immerse the reader in the totality of the experience of warfare, not just in one view or another. And that's really what we wanted to do, was not say this is an operational history. This is a history of war. Mm-hmm.
1: History of war, but also a history of how we think about war. You know, oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm raised, to, I'm brought to think of John Lynn, and he made a comment some years ago about, while you know, cultural history of war is great, we have to remember the combat is the centerpiece of the experience. And I think That's that right. was, was as we contextualize that and we put that for, in the forefront, then we're free to go to the peripheries and look at yeah. other areas. And this book, this project, does that admirably. Well, and that's one one
0: of the things that we've done with our operational battle maps is uh, by having these an interactive feature that that the reader controls the pace of it with text box at each stage. We've tried to make it easier to understand the operational and tactical parts of the war. And that allows us in class, then, to talk about big issues, because it's so easy, it's so much easier to understand uh, the operational and tactical. We can go into other areas if we want to, because it's so clear. I mean, mm-hmm. as clear as war can be. I mean, this is, obviously, we're... Uh, we're we're doing the best we can to make to make it understandable. But those battle maps help us do that in a way that we've never seen before. And I, you know, I think creating operational battle maps is something West Point's been doing for a long time. Oh, yes. And we, we we've taken and we we're really good at it. But we people use our maps continually. Um, but this is taking it to the next level by animating them and explaining them uh, in a way that we've never done before. And I, I would tell you the other one that we, is using the the senses as well. We've got a uh, we've used the West Point band to make a musical mm-hmm. part of it, so that we can hear what that was like as well. So in all ways to create an immersive experience uh, in the Civil War that looks at both the combat and outside of combat. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, in a big way, it's, it's creating history for the 21st and even the 22nd century. You know, yeah, as we say, we, we, this is the future of the past. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is such an immersive look. You know, And we've got to give credit, I guess, to Roland Technologies. Oh, boy, we have to give a lot. Yeah, for meeting you guys along the way. Could you describe you know, how they came to the project and what their role really is yes i would love
0: to do that there are coalition partners in this um well we had i came back i came up with the idea maybe eight years ago seven or seven years ago to create an endowed textbook before kindle before ipad had come along and we had the superintendent our our college president say yes uh history you can raise money for this and then we waited because we couldn't raise money for this endowed text to create a new textbook and the idea was to create like the simon and schuster and then the the kindle came up we said oh my gosh let's redo it for the Kindle. And then the iPad came out and we went, oh my, this is what we really want to do. And we were lucky enough to find um, a West Point graduate, Benny Viola, class of 77, who shared that same vision with us. Uh, he said, my gosh, yes, we want to do a digital textbook and completely revolutionized how uh, students, particularly in this case cadets, learn about military history and maybe others as well. And then, so we partnered with them and, and uh, to begin with, uh, Rowan was a very small company and we were going to uh, find a general contractor to create the book. Uh, But it turned out that nobody could do it. Nobody had the skill sets to create something like that. So Mr. Viola, cre- Vinny created his own company, Rowan Technology, named after Andrew Rowan, the famous uh, Lieutenant West Point graduate who took a message to Garcia. So that, that's Rowan is named after that because it, for Army officers, Rowan is a, uh, and a message to Garcia, sort of a shorthand for t- initiative. And that's what they have done. They've created their own company of uh, cartographers, digital designers, um, uh, lawyers and copy editors, historians, uh, project managers, and their sole function to start with was just to create this project for cadets. And now what we're trying to do is to create a revenue stream for this by and get it out to the entire world. And we've got other things coming because we're partnering with them. We're going to make a, a Gettysburg campaign app that will come out this summer. More mm-hmm. books coming of this great content that we have. But really, it's, a, it's, it's we've married the best of business uh, the business community academic uh, and government really military in one in one coalition and we are so proud of the work that we have done together in this that i don't think anybody has ever really done before
1: I'm compelled to ask you 're an educator through the lens of creating this project and being being so close to the cadets at the academy but also you know being a public intellectual are we teaching the civil war properly today?
0: Well, I I think we are. Uh, Listen, I can't say how we're doing it at the rest of Academe, Mm -hmm. but I think at West Point we are, and we... Firmly put it within the context of his, the political struggle uh, over slavery. And mm-hmm. in fact, I'm going to give a lecture soon on the, to, to argue once again, the centrality of slavery and causation for the Civil War. So we haven't uh, haven't done that enough, but we haven't. As public intellectuals, no. we have to do that. Um, and, and so I think here at West Point, we do do that correctly. Um, I'm not an expert on how the rest of academia, and certainly this is continues to be an issue that we must fight over uh, as military historians to ensure that that is done correctly. And it's our duty uh, as military historians and as public uh, intellectuals to fight that fight every day in every way that we possibly can to ensure that Americans... Um, are are learning this in a way that they're asking the right questions and using evidence to back it up. So mm-hmm. we certainly are, are all in on that at West Point and want to make sure that we are helping the rest of military historians and the and academe present this to the American people in such a way that they will, that, that they will use evidence as part of their uh, answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have any regrets over something you may have left out? I mean, did you leave anything out, I guess is the first question. And if so, what would that have been? Well, you know,
0: there, there are a bunch of things that uh, that we've got. I want to make sure that the Battle of Charlotte, which is so confusing, is animated. Yes. We want to make sure that Chickamauga, which is so confusing, um, has has more full animation on it. So we do know that we want to, we want to make it better. We certainly want to, uh, to in two years or three years when we relook at getting version 2.0 we have other things that we will want to do. We know we'll have other things. There'll be new scholarship that we want to do. Mm-hmm. But the next thing for us is to get the rest of the 55 chapters up to the same level as the Civil War and World War II is next in our hopper for that.
1: I was going to ask what the next volume was. So it will be the Second World War.
0: The Second World War in two volumes will be coming out. Uh, this, sep- this, uh, this November uh, both from Simon & Schuster and from Rowan Technology as a digital product. And then over the course of the next two years, we, digitally we're going to get out every single chapter, all uh, 70, 71 of them, out digitally over the next two years.
1: It's just such a daunting task to begin with and to have it all happen in your, under your tenure. That's a great laurel for you. It's, it's, you need to be commended, Colonel, really. Well,
0: well, we have we have an enormous number of people. I, I, it's not ju- it's not not only is it not just me, uh, Cliff Rogers, who has done amazing work Absolutely. as the uh, as the primary text editor. Uh, Steve, uh, Professor Steve Waddell is working as the uh, volume uh, editor from World War One, World War Two. Gail Yoshitani is working post forty five. Sam Watson is doing the American experience up to nineteen hundred, and John Stapleton is also helping doing the European experience to nineteen hundred. So we have a, the almost the entire all the military historians at West Point. Uh, are participating in this process to make sure that we get the best product to our cadets and then out to the American people.
1: Colonel, as you may know, when we close out our interviews, I like to to throw our guests a couple of last questions to share some of their own likes in the field and to give us all a glimpse of their future. So if I can, first, when you're at home and looking to unwind after a day in the classroom or editorial meetings or whatever else you do, what are you reading?
0: Well, right now, I, I am studying and writing on um, uh, race at West Point. So I am reading about the civil rights movement um, and other aspects of the black power movement at West Point as I'm finishing up an article on the black power movement at West Point. And for a larger, my next Book, which will be on the history of race at West Point. So that's that's what I've been reading in my spare time uh, to make sure that I am uh, I'm up to speed in an area that I'm not as strong in uh, uh, African American history, but to talk about something that needs to be written about, and I'm I'm doing right now, which is that history of race at West Point. So that's what I'm reading is a lot of books on civil rights movement and African American history.
1: Gotcha. Well, second question, then kind of we're going to alter it a little bit. Normally we ask our, our guess what their next project is. But I think in your case, you're going to be busy for some time, both with the future volumes in this series, your Race in West Point book, uh, and, of course, it's your ongoing career in the Army outside of the Academy. But when all this is done and behind you, what research interests would you hope to pursue if you had the opportunity?
0: right well I, I suppose boy it's a tough question i i we've got uh I so many books in the opera right now um I think that that race at West Point is the one that 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 the idea of of furthering that, and we're creating a, a guide to the civil rights movement that we're using for our American history course right now. So I've been pu- pushing more of, of our American historians toward that. So that's what I'm, I'm kind of working on right now, and the, the West Point History of Warfare, which will go out for the next four years, and then uh, to create campaign and battle apps to it furthered the use of technology in the classroom and actually also looking at the use of augmented reality um, and virtual reality to make the experience of military history, which is uh, an intellectually rigorous task, more accessible through the use of, of technology. So those are... Some of the things that I'm looking at as I look out at the, the, at the near future of how do we make military history more accessible to our cadets, more interesting, more, uh, and more uh, viable as a course of study for the rest of their life.
1: Yes. Colonel Sidouli, thank you again for taking the time to join us in New Books of Military History.
0: Oh, Bob, my pleasure. Thank you
1: so much. Great conversation. Oh, That's, that's great. Thank you, sir. And for all of our listeners, this is your host, Bob Wintermeet, signing off.